0: this is judy carmichael as part of our 20th anniversary celebration of jazz inspired we're revisiting some of my favorite interviews today's with academy award-winning director actor and lifelong jazz fan robert redford I first met Robert Redford in 2005 when he invited me to bring my trio to perform at the Sundance Film Festival, which he thought would be a stimulating addition to the lineup of films being shown. Knowing he was a jazz fan, I jumped at the opportunity to have him on Jazz Inspired while we'd be in the same place at the same time. And happily, I've now performed for Bob, yes, I now call him Bob, at Sundance. A number of times. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired.
1: My mother and father were very interested in music. We were, I wouldn't say we were a dirt poor family, but we were on the lower end of the register in a working class neighborhood that was mostly Mexican. We didn't have much. He had a paper route, but my parents were very young, and they would dance. They just went everywhere and danced. They loved music, but it was is in the days of the bands, you know, the big bands. So they were they were dancing swing music, and so they went down to uh, in Santa Monica. There was a place called the Avalon Ballroom, and and uh, they went down there to dance. It just so happened to be that that was the end of Benny Goodman's tour that year. They went down just to dance, and Benny Goodman from well, the, well, the story I was told was that he was a swing you know band, and he was getting tired. He was exploring this new this new concept, uh, which eventually became Sing Sing Sing. And he and his band had worked on it on the side. That's sort of where Goodman wanted to go. It was a new place, but it was not being accepted on the tour they were on. So they played Cleveland, Baltimore, you know, wherever, Milwaukee. And they kept trying to do this in addition to their regular menu, and, and it didn't fly. So they were getting he was getting more and more upset about it. And uh, so the story goes. And he got to the end of the line. The last concert was at the Avalon Ballroom in Ocean Park, and that wasn't that was within walking distance from where we we were living in, in near Venice. My parents just happened to be there for this incredible moment in history where that was recorded, and and it was the famous "Sing, Sing, Sing."
0: Benny Goodman's recording of Sing, Sing, Sing. I'm talking with my guest, Robert Redford, about his first experience with jazz.
1: For me personally, the moment came when I was about 15. I was sort of... (laughs) I was i don't want to say involved, involved. There's an older woman that I was connected with. Oh, I, I like say, this yeah, part yeah, of the interview. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> I yeah, I would have liked it better had it had it been more on my terms. But but anyway, I, I thought she was. I thought she really. this is a 20 year old woman when I was 15, and she was very, very uh, hip, and she loved jazz, and I was crazy about her. And I think, as far as she was concerned, I was just kind of cute mascot or something. But anyway, <laughs> she talked about jazz, and I didn't know what, i didn't really know what that was. And at that point in time, it was like, almost like this strange transitional time between the the big bands, you know, that got to the end of the line with Les Brown, and then you had Ray up and all those. They were mainly dance bands. Of course, you had the Dorsey brothers and all that. And on the sides of it, you had Dixieland and you had ragtime. They—they they were reappearing. On, on the scene, but not very forcefully. You had Ben Pollock, and you had the Firehouse Five Plus Two, and then suddenly she said, "I want to take you to this. I want, I want to introduce you to something." It was, of course, jazz. I, I did, knew nothing about it, so we went to this little place in L.A. across from the Old Ambassador Hotel. We went in there, and it was really weird. It was this small, looked like a bunker, in in a lawn across from the Ambassador. And you went in; it was a tiny, tiny place lights were blue and dark, everything was dark people were wearing dark glasses, there was a lot of smoke and it was teeny teeny and it was Jerry Mulligan Mm -hmm. Chet Baker, Hampton Hawes on piano, Red Mitchell on bass it meant nothing to me, absolutely nothing
2: (laughs) Oh, oh,
1: just sitting there happy that I was there and then suddenly I heard the sound and it just got me I said what is this and when Mulligan played and I said where is this coming from what are these notes doing what what is music doing here I, I, it was amazing
2: And the number of 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 the number of
0: Jerry Mulligan and Chet Baker on Love Me or Leave Me. Recorded in 1953, the same year my guest Robert Redford first heard them and fell in love with jazz.
1: I got so hooked, I then got on a little bit of a Rialto for music, I went to Howard Rumson's Lighthouse, which is right on the sand. It was a shack on the sand down there near Long Beach. And then there was Sardi's where Sarah Vaughan got really cooking. And, and suddenly something was happening. And I was told it was happening in San Francisco. So I said to my friends, we, we were just in high school, I said, guys, we got to get up. we got to get up to San Francisco. And so we, we went up to San Francisco and out on a very illegal trip and uh <laughs> in a stolen car. And um uh, and we got up there and we were looking for jazz. I, I didn't know San Francisco. We were young, we were kind of living as outlaws at that moment, and uh we stumbled into a place that I thought was a jazz place because of the way people looked and it was small. It turned out to be a, a beat poetry reading, which I also knew nothing about. That was concurrent with jazz and there is um Michael McClure, Kenneth Rexroth, Kerouac was in the crowd, kind of looked like a bouncer. And, and it was this it, it, Gary Snyder. And, and it was the same impact. I had the same impact. on I me. Mean, what is this? This is new. This is really exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's out there. And I guess putting the two together, those two events that were almost simultaneous had such impact on me. I think I've carried that throughout my life. I then just got completely interested in jazz and followed jazz groups and and went to various places. I would go anywhere to hear jazz. When I went to New York to become an actor, um, actually starting when I was an artist, I thought I would be an artist in in France. And I went to France, it was like 57. Um, You had Eartha Kitt there, you had the Modern Jazz Quartet there, you had artists that couldn't do well in America were finding a home there and yet some very interesting jazz because Paris was totally taken with Dexter Gordon and people like that and so they were really getting taken So I just kind of kept it alive but suddenly seeing it from the standpoint of Europeans who had enormous interest in jazz and coming back and then you had you know the the, the, the billet, you had uh, 52nd Street. I, mean, that I know these that's what years. I'm
0: thinking when you yeah. were in New York you were also there at a great time. Oh,
1: yeah, well that was that was 58 uh, uh, and 9 you had Jilly's, and you had charlie's tavern and you had there was swing street you know I mean, mm-hmm. you had you had all these incredible things and you had the vanguard and, and you had all these tiny little spots that were popping up but as I understood it those jazz musicians headed west because they wanted a place to try something new they were mm-hmm. just having a struggle so I became a Mulligan fan and a Baker fan and, and, and remain one the rest of my life
0: What are special about them to you in particular?
1: Well, I think what it is now that I, I've gotten to this place in my life, um, I, I realize, and you can look back on something, you can define it. I don't think you I could have at the time because I was too busy living it. I didn't even think about defining the moment I mm-hmm. was in. And now you look back and you can do that a little bit easier because it there's a wisdom that comes in to sort of make sense you could put things together but i i think it had to do with with taking chances i think it had to do with, with always being interested in something that was on the edge mm-hmm. that was going to go somewhere new and interested in the role of change i saw changes positive mm-hmm. and improvisation as a young actor i think as a young actor i was very drawn to improvisation i think that came out of me being impressed by jazz that jazz was these artists were looking for some new way to go there were new voices about to emerge and I think art is always going to have new voices so now that I look back on it I realize that jazz has always been a vehicle that can float with change, it's always going to be changing it's always going to be doing new things mm-hmm. and have this sort of improvisational element to it Up and think about some, I mean, you know, the Art Tatum's and, and uh, Charlie Mingus and you know, Bird and Parker, and, and right up to jazz moving into different areas like crossing borders. Like I remember being in in uh, Washington D.C. and went to a place called the Senate Lounge and heard Charlie Bird when he was just returning from Brazil, and he had this whole new bossa nova thing. I thought. So it's jazz and bossa nova. And then suddenly that whole thing took off. You
2: know.
0: I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is Robert Redford.
1: And so jazz has always sort of moved around and come in and come out. It's always exciting, and I, and I can equate it to, to the art I've been involved with, about trying trying new things. And then finally, when you come around to Sundance, when you get to that point in your life where you say, well, I'm going to put something back, you find yourself in, in doing that, you find yourself drawing from the very seeds that shaped you
2: and Mm. your own
1: experiences with Mm -hmm. them, you know? So of course jazz was going to play a huge role and, and poetry in particular new forms of poetry were going to, was going to play a huge role. So why not create something that would, that would put that out for other people to enjoy? So that's why it's become a a main part of Sundance. Mm. And I'm sure it's affected my, my work as a, uh, both a filmmaker and an actor, you know, you, you hear music when you work, you know. You work on rhythms. Yes, I was
0: thinking. Do you listen to music when you're working on a role? Do you, will you play music for yourself?
1: I won't listen to music. No, I don't listen to music as. Well, yes, I guess therapy, but I mean in the broad sense. But I don't, I don't listen to music, to inspire a performance in in a specific way. I just listen to music mm. while I'm yeah while I'm thinking about a part. I, I don't study too much because that leaves you, you can get yourself locked up in ways of doing things. You want to be loose. You want to be free you know, if You also want to allow for what the other person is going to do, mm-hmm. you know, if they're going to do it. You know, if they're going to get <laughs> what there, helps. they're going to be there with you and dance with you, then mm-hmm. you have to allow for what they're going to do. So you got to be loose. And the way that jazz is loose. It has a looseness to it. That's the
0: same thing. Yeah, as yeah. you're talking about this, it's exactly yeah. what jazz musicians, because I know for me, I can't play it too many times. When I've done recording sessions, I really like to do a first or second take, because if we keep doing it, we all get too locked in. Yeah. And we almost stop listening to each other mm. as much, as you're saying this. That's interesting.
1: I, I, th- I think, well, I mean, you're, you're the real thing. I mean, I'm I'm not a jazz artist but uh, i'm a person in support and respect of it and and have probably been so impacted by it that i've used it in my own life and my own work but you're the real deal so i'd be kind of curious why aside from what your gut was feeling good about while you were doing it what what else has meant to you because for me it's like it's, it's just pushing the edge so, I'm very excited that we're developing these programs around mm-hmm. jazz. That's a chance for me finally to go back to my origins and say, now I can do something about it for others. But we were talking about, I don't know where's Dr. Billy Taylor, I don't, I don't know who said this, but somebody said that uh, jazz is really America's classical music. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful idea, because it did start here.
0: Oh, yeah, and it I think it could only here. have started here. Yeah. Don't you? Oh, I think about yeah. it that I it's mean, the I only, do. it's the only when you think about it, because I think that in America, when we have all these different nationalities, you and I both grew up in a place where you and I were the minority, you know, where it was actually a Mexican population, LA, yeah. but we're surrounded by that. And you think all of these influence coming together, but also that it continues to reinvent and reinvigorate itself, as you were talking about that it keeps yeah. bringing it back together, which I see here at Sundance. As you're saying this, it's such a wonderful thing that you're constantly bringing great thinkers together to talk about their ideas yeah. that, that might seem unrelated. You might have an, a, an astronomer and a tap dancer, but somehow if you put them together, some ideas are going to oh, happen.
1: See, I think there's... I love contradictory elements coming together because you never know what's going to mm-hmm. happen and and that's like jazz jazz when I mean, jazz comes together and says hey let's just kind of ride with me on this or what do you think why don't you do this do will just see what happens
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, there is nothing more exciting when mm-hmm. something happens
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's it's yeah.
1: it's, you're in a rocket ship and uh, the same thing here i mean when you when you bring when we started Sundance, I was very interested to see what would happen if you put film and dance together mm. you know, just cross them over and say, mm-hmm. "Look, we want the dancers to come and in in case dancers are very good their 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 feet and their bodies are alive, but their mm-hmm. faces are dead they're frozen, and a lot of actors don't know how to move they they act with their faces so, so we forced the actors to get with the dancers and the dancers to get with the actors. Mm. Maybe something will happen. And maybe there'll be a new form of filmmaking related to the exposure to dance. And sure enough, we end up with this experimental project where a guy got on roller skates and while the dancers were going through their works, he skated in and out of them with a handheld IMO camera. It was some of the most exciting footage I've seen because you broke through the proscenium look, you know, you you got in and out and in and out and it was suddenly very mm-hmm. organic and it was exciting. Wow. So those are the kind of things that really get me excited, and that's what Sundance is committed to. Mm-hmm. So there's jazz mm-hmm. in as the perfect model for that. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect vehicle. So we're we're always gonna be interested in, in jazz.
0: Art Tatum, Buddy DeFranco, Red Calendar, and Bill Douglas on This Camping Love from the Tatum Group Masterpieces, a favorite recording of my guest, Robert Redford. michael and this is jazz inspired our show is made possible in part with generous support from steinway and sons for a schedule of upcoming programs visit our website at jazzinspired.com you can listen to podcasts of jazz inspired on your favorite podcast platform and email us at at jazzinspired.com or visit us on facebook twitter and instagram at stride queen Additional support for Jazz Inspired is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. As part of our 20th anniversary celebration, we're revisiting some of my favorite interviews. Today, my 2005 conversation with Robert Redford. It's very much the American philosophy we grew up with, Being creative, that individual, that independent voice that we're supposed to have as Americans, that that's what makes it interesting. But I find it interesting, too, as you're talking about the acting. I think about directing, because I've always thought of directing. This is my fantasy. You'll have to tell me if it's anything like this. But that it's kind of like being a jazz band leader, because it's your film, your vision, it's your tune. Right. But you have to choose actors as I choose musicians for my band mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. will realize your vision but have their own individual sound.
1: Yeah. Exactly and you have
0: to make that all work.
1: Exactly. And that's
0: gotta be the hard part.
1: I mean you're raising an interesting point about rhythm. There's the overall arc of the film that's gonna have its rhythm just as a film. And then there's there's many arcs within, you know, and that's like when actors are in a scene together and so forth. <laughs> And I was always led as a, as a director, um, by music that I, I would, I would be with an actor and, and it's also when you're acting, when you're in it, I mean, it's, it's a little harder when you're performing cause you can't be as broad or you can't look at yourself. At least I can't, you're just in it, you're doing it. But one thing you can tell you, your gut can tell you things and it can't tell you whether the scene's any good or not, but it can tell you when it's organically working as a rhythm. Just as a simple rhythm, you just feel it. It's like when you're dancing with somebody who's with you, and dancing with somebody that's not. Then there's the larger arc of the film, as as technology has has uh, pretty well pushed things forward here faster than we can cope with. Um, it's kind of interesting to me that that technology is now being used to create the rhythms with cutting and with, with the ability to cut and edit. So that's a new kind of rhythm that can be that can be created technically. Mm. Okay, so you could take a performance this week on one hand, and the other is it's out of whack, and you could through editing try to shape it. So that's one way to get a rhythm in your film. But for me, when I would work, I would want to make sure that the rhythm was in the scene to begin with. That mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to rely too much on editing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That I could feel if i was working with actors in a scene that the the scene had to have the right rhythm that i thought it needed for example there's some scenes that are full of anxiety and pressure and tension and the meters ticking and you need that accelerated rhythm that would be really like uh hip hop or mm-hmm. know, something like that. and then you want those moments where silence plays a big role
2: mm-hmm.
1: where it's a whole other rhythm and so you become conscious of rhythms within the larger one. And one can be technically mechanically manufactured and the other's got to come out of just what's coming out of you. Mm. And that fascinates
0: me. Fascinates me too. And as you're saying this, I'm thinking it's all about listening because I know When I was coming up and I got to know Count Basie and I went to him and I said, what's the answer? I wanted that, you know, I was so young and it's, what should I do? And he said, listen. And I was like, and? And he said, just Just listen. listen. But as you're saying this, I'm thinking that acting is all about listening, isn't it? if you you listen to each well, other while you're is. acting yeah and i'm thinking the best and and you can't get that rhythm as you're saying this if no. you have actors who aren't really listening to each other
1: that was one of the biggest things when i became an actor because I, I thought i was starting in 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 the business from the real disadvantage of never having wanted it all my life for one thing to not thinking i was qualified i didn't have mm. any training i didn't have any i just didn't and so i was probably a little self-conscious mm. about vocal training and knowing Shakespeare and all that. But one thing I was sure convinced of is that listening had to be part of the deal. And what made me crazy, particularly when I was a young actor, is to be working with actors who didn't listen. I, I remember working with one actor where I, I just about hauled off and hammered him, where, where he, we were working on a scene. And while I, I would listen to him talk, I would really listen because that helped me be there that helped me be there how can you be there if you're supposed to be listening to somebody and you're not you're just artificially listening to them Mm -hmm. and you're not really there so you're artificially there so that was just something maybe it became a a, a life raft for me because I didn't have anything else to rely on so I Mm. thought at least I'll make this real for myself so when I realized that I would listen to the other actor and then when it was time for me to respond I noticed his lips were moving I said what the hell is that (laughs) And I realized he was mouthing my speech so he could make sure his cue, he'd know when his cue for his thing was going to come. He was mouthing my word, and it made me furious. So, yes, and listening has its own rhythm.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'm thinking of the musicians that you've mentioned that you really love, and they're all great listeners. They're listening to themselves. Sometimes I feel that I listen to musicians. And oh, they've gone on yes. automatic pilot. They're not even listening yeah. to themselves, if that makes sense.
1: Well, I can, I can appreciate going into the zone. Because when I was watching Mulligan and these guys, you know, they were really very often in the zone. They were mm-hmm. just somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They weren't there with you at all.
2: <laughs> ¶¶
0: I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest, Robert Redford, talked about attending jazz at Lincoln Center in New York City.
1: What was really interesting, they did the, uh, the drum solo from Sing 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 that Krupa did. And what really got me, and then Marcellus came out and played with this fellow, and what I saw was them listening to each other and keying off of each other. Listening and keying, listening and keying. That's pretty great to watch. Mm -hmm, When you mm -hmm. see another artist listening to another one and appreciating it and then taking it and rolling with it down their little avenue. Mm -hmm. They turn it back. So there's this baton pass that can only be passed if you're listening.
2: Mm.
1: And so for me, watching these artists is as much about watching them listen to one another and make that part of their deal. I mean, that gets pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Subtle stuff. I don't know many people are thinking about that, but I do.
0: No, people tell me that. Believe it or not, people will say I love, they may not know what's going on. Because you actually know, because you're a longtime jazz band. But people will love to see that interaction. Yeah. They'll come up and they'll say, "I loved it when your guitar player turned and looked at you and did whatever it was he did." Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: but it is, it's, and that's what I really enjoy in terms of the spontaneity of it. Because as a band leader myself, I have a group that we've played together enough that we won't plan it out. So they watch me, and it is like I'm the quarterback. I'll say the tune and and the key but we won't plan what order we're going to do anything and so they have to listen and so that's, that's really fun cuz you're directing them as you great.
1: go it's just great
0: a director how do you work with actors who love to improvise and say let me try this scene this way i want to do something entirely different are you open to that
1: totally now what's interesting is that it most of the time doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) including my ideas you know what i'll say i've said that to directors hey can i just do it my way and the guy fine and it's terrible (laughs) but 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 I love to hear it. I love for an actor to say, hey, can I try something? I mean, there's music to my ears. And of course, I would never deny an actor that chance. Even mm-hmm. when the meter's ticking, and you got some guy looking at his watch in the back of the thing there. No, not at all. I, I think uh, I love that. Let's let's see what you can do. Let's see what's going yeah.
0: on. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I have to ask you about a quote. You said that, um, I read this, that something like you wouldn't like yourself... Or as, as a, a director, a, as a director, and you wouldn't like yourself as an actor if you were the director. Yeah. What was the quote? Well, quote I, yourself to me. It was know very I was funny. I don't know what was talking
1: about actually, but it, it went something like this. I think I know what I meant, but I'm not <laughs> altogether sure. It sure came out like a knot. i say it was sound like a knot. A quote about a knot, but <laughs> but what I think I meant was that as an actor, I, I a certain. Uh, joy zone where I really loved it. I, I, I really appreciate it and I loved being left alone. I loved doing it my way. I love having so many choices you could play with. I love playing with different choices and then letting the director make the decision. I also would shut out most of what was around me except what was supposed to be around me in the scene with the character. Whatever environment the, um, the scene called for. It was always easier outdoors for me because there, you were out there in a real meadow with real trees. When you get inside in a set and I, a, uh, a a studio location where artificial, it, it, that that was always hard for me. That was always a lot in television. So. But to be out to be out where where things were real, I, and then to be able to just let yourself be in that space and not think about the lights, the camera, you have to think about it a little bit. I was never very good at that. I was never very good at matching like I should be, mm. particularly in the early days. I'm better now. Once I've directed, I think I act better for a director <laughs> but But I always liked being free. Mm. and and being free to be in the space. So I made it almost a professional point not to learn the language of the camera, not to learn too much about what, was el- what else was going That's on. That's interesting. Shut out the noise. You almost go into a zen place. As yeah. a director, because I realized that two things were coming together that I hadn't realized, which was a career that I thought I was to have, to be an artist, a painter and gave that up, became an actor, I thought that was gone. And to realize that I was basically putting two things together, performing and... Um, painting a picture. Painting a picture, yeah. Which is very much like being a conductor and as opposed to a musician. Mm. And I suddenly realized how much I love conceiving the whole thing. I loved having the idea and then filling it in like a painting. And that the tools were mine and everything was mine, so that I would pay attention to everything. So, as a director, I enjoy every part of it. I, I enjoy detail. I enjoy watching everything that's going on, the background, being there with the actors. I don't like watching a monitor. I like to watch the actors and trust that. And then, but I put by, I have very strong feelings about how the whole thing should look. So, I find myself going in and working with the actors. And sometimes maybe saying a little too much. I mean, it's never been bad. No, no one's ever turned to me and said, "What? What? What are you talking about?" Oh, gee, that's an interesting idea. But I don't know that I would have liked that <laughs> as an actor. It's just leave me alone. You know, not that I won't listen, mm-hmm. and not that I won't listen to what you want to say or, or or do what you want me to try to do as an actor. But don't talk too much. It's like learning a sport. Don't tell me too much. Just show me and let me following mm. so i guess that's what i must admit mm-hmm. that i'm not sure i i love acting and i love directing but i don't know about mixing the two i've done that once and it it was it was hard because it was hard for me to mix those two mm. because i was isolated as an actor in the work and as director i'm encompassing the whole mm-hmm. it's the mise-en-scene you know it's the whole thing and i love it
0: and you're bringing your music in too as you're saying this you have your painting yeah and, and the music. acting and the music because of the rhythm.
1: And sport. I mean, I was an athlete. Yeah, And I think if you're an athlete, you have to have rhythm.
0: And you've yeah. done it all here at Sundance in the same way, too, as you've said. And I'm mm-hmm. as you're saying this, I'm thinking, do you think that you were drawn to jazz because your personality was already a personality like that, that was looking for those, for individual creativity and things like that? Or do you think that getting enticed by jazz then formed you more or that it all worked together organically and it's hard to split it up
1: well yeah I mean that's an interesting it's like one character in search of an author whether (laughs) which came first here you know Uh I clearly was at a fairly young age wanting to move out Mm -hmm. of where I was to different places and and always in an exploratory mode and Mm -hmm. all that stuff so and when I locked into this, I didn't think about it at the time. I just thought, I've stumbled into something great. And that's all I thought about. And if I look back now, I think probably, I, I would, let's just say I was certainly susceptible to something
0: mm-hmm. like
1: that. But, and you
0: understood it right off, it sounds like, which a well, lot of people I don't. I think I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I
1: think I did. I, I, I didn't know what was going on, but I sure liked it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have liked it if some deeper part of me didn't understand what was going on, even though intellectually I couldn't have explained it. But I, I was able to go with it. And then I think from that point on, then that informed things that I did. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. was sort of a tandem deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of a tandem
0: I have to say, personally, I'm thrilled to be a part of the first presentation of jazz here at yes. the Sundance Film Festival. So that's really yes. exciting. That's, that's great. That's going
1: to be because that's going to be... Sundance has expanded in many, many ways, you know, using the seed of a success, for one thing, to generate other avenues, like the Latino section that ended up with Motorcycle Diaries. And so... We have a Latino section where we we work with Spanish um, people in in, in uh, Latin America. We have a documentary division. We've been pushing now for 14 years. It's finally getting to the place where I thought documentaries should get to, which is equal equal billing in the in the mainstream marketplace. Jazz is meant to come in, so you're you're taking these things and bringing them into this thing called film. But but using that to create a broader platform and then people can say, Oh wow, look at look at how film and jazz, look at how look at how music and, and film can work in a different way than we thought, rather than just scoring a film. You know, think about how it's much more deep than that in in the filmmaking process. Let's share that with people. Let's let's do something with that. Let's have artists here to maybe talk about film. Why don't you have Judy Carmichael come here and talk about films that she has been impressed with, you know? Let's go the other way. Um, so when you're talking about the, the – the, I'm very excited about that for the festival this year because this is sort of our first year where we're kind of really moving out there so we'll be able to promote it and
0: mm-hmm. so forth. And, and you're it, doing more things right here at Sundance.
1: And then right here at Sundance. Well, yeah, a lot of it is here at Sundance. Mm-hmm. We can control this in, environment. Um, and, of course, the um, people – got Sirius Chestnut, you got – Charles Charlotte, Charlotte. Marcus Roberts, who was here last year, mm-hmm. is, is going to be back again, and then you.
0: I'm very excited, yeah. and to have it juxtaposed with these films, I also think is interesting because we get to be sort of the uh, the sorbet between yeah. all these visuals. Yeah, in a you way, might too. Say maybe
1: some of these films you'll end up being more than the sorbet; be the main event. <laughs> 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 you know? like some films up there don't fly at all. You know, that's the good of it—the diversity. You get some real dogs. <laughs>
0: But you mix it all up and it's great. It and up. you give all these opportunities yeah. to bring people together and everything. And I'm I'm thrilled to pieces. And I can't thank
1: you enough for this. My pleasure.
0: For taking because this you time. Can,
1: you can obviously tell.
0: Thank you so
1: much. Yeah, you're welcome.
0: You've been listening to my conversation with Robert Redford. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes and all the usual podcast platforms. Our opening music was airmail special, and the midbreak music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with my on sax and Chris Florian on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info@jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at stridequeen. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons. For more information, visit jazzinspired.com or judycarmichael.com. Robert Redford and I discussed the great influence jazz has had on his life. At an early age, he became smitten with the music of Benny Goodman. Here is a special treat. A live recording of Benny Goodman's 1938 Carnegie Hall concert with a rare guitar solo by Count Basie's longtime guitarist Freddie Green on Fats Waller's composition Honeysuckle Rose.